This week's reading is remarkably similar in certain ways to what I experience every single day of my life, which is two little boys running around the house saying, what's that? Anyone who knows children knows that children are the original Zen masters. They are the, the question mark at the end of every sentence. They're the ones who bring mystery to the ordinary. In some ways, children's questions render adults impotent undermining fixities and certainties that we think, sure, I know why the sky is blue. Sure. This week's reading, Parshat Bo, is the Parsha that has within it all of the questions of the children of the Haggadah. All of the questions of the Arba Banim, the four sons, are sourced in this week's reading. When your son... Your children one day will ask you, what is this? And from that we have the entire piece of the Haggadah that we are familiar with, with the, the questions of the children, which ultimately became codified in Manishtana, the great question, maybe the most important ritualized moment in all of Judaism, maybe more important than Kol Nidre, is Manishtana. What's different? That moment of discernment. There's a question in this week's parsha, which isn't called a question, but it has the same word as the word lishol, to ask. And in some ways, it is a through line, a thread throughout the Exodus narrative, beginning all the way back with the covenant of the pieces with Avram Avinu, Abraham the patriarch, where he was told or foretold that his children one day would be slaves. Of course, I'm referring to the commandment quasi-request where Moses is told by God to tell the children of Israel to go to the neighbors, lish'ol, vayash'ilum, and to borrow from them, the children of Israel are told that before they leave the land of Egypt, they are to borrow Golden vessels, silver vessels, and clothing. In other words, it's party time. They're leaving Egypt, and they're told that they can leave with booty, with bounty, with, with the spoils to some degree of the victors in the war between the God of Israel and Pharaoh. And this was originally promised to Abraham. In the, in the covenant that I referred to earlier, You'll leave with, with wealth. What's the essence? What is the meaning of that promise? That it then finds its way into this week's Torah portion, borrowing the phrase, so to speak, of asking or borrowing, lishol, in a parsha that deals with questions. It isn't, as Aviva Zermer points out, a coincidence. It mustn't be that the editor of this story uses the term for questions in the exchange between the Egyptians and the Israelites. It must hold some significance about questions themselves that this borrowing is also participating in. Everybody with me? Just want to check in. Everybody with me? 
So here it is. Two famous answers, one given by Ben al-Jacob and the other by Kasuto. The first answer is that it's very clear on the most objective level. What's going on here from the Torah's perspective is that there is justice being meted out. And the kind of justice that appears later on in the book of Deuteronomy, in the book of Deuteronomy we were told about Hebrew slaves being sent free, that almost the exact same language and device is being used. When you send slaves away, there's a kind of, they have finished their term of enslavement, whatever it may be. They are to leave with hanik ta'aniklo. Give them their just desserts. It's a part of the retributive justice, part of the justice system. And that's the way Kasuto reads the story. This is, of course, there's a parallel between the Exodus slave narrative and the way we are to treat slaves in the future. Be just with those slaves. Okay, let's leave that there. Ben or Jacob says something different. He says something very beautiful, actually. He says that in the future, the Torah will command you, You are not to hate the Egyptian. And as a way of softening our own innate sense of having been wounded by the Egyptians, we are to go and ask them for a gift. So it serves the purpose of a heuristic or pedagogical purpose to teach us, to soften us against that moment called the moment of Egypt. So we have two interesting ideas, and we're going with neither of them. Where we're going is with the Zohar Kadosh. The Zohar says something very beautiful. The Zohar says that what was happening here is the sod, the mystery of alchemy, the mystery of what it is to ask the Egyptians for gold and silver. Nothing less than the building of the future Mishkan is happening here. And the Israelites are enjoined, they are required to borrow those vessels, meaning they are to say to the Egyptians, what gift have you given me that I may now take on my journey forward into the desert? That presumptively, that in the experience of slavery, there is something positive that can be alchemically extracted and brought with them to build the Mishkan. That in every place of narrowness, there is potentially, potentially, not obviously, potentially the source of gold. To ask of the Egyptians is to say to them, what are you giving me? What have I taken from this experience? In what way is this narrative not only a narrative of degradation, but a narrative of dignity? In what way is this narrative not only a narrative of having been downtrodden, of undignified existence, but what gold and silver is here, says the Zohar. And that, my friends, that is the essence of every she'ilah, every question. They borrowed, they sha'alu. They borrowed, they asked, they penetrated. That is what a question does. A question undermines stabilities. It opens up possibilities. A question in its essence creates a liminal space. That's what a question does. And liminality is all, the whole Parsha is about liminality. It's all about the space. One author said that every question creates an inside and an outside immediately. 
the space between the inside and the outside, that liminal space between what was and what could be, in that space between, questions birth space between. And in order to be able to read a narrative differently, to be able to tell a different story, we have to open up a space between what we thought and what could be. And that's why we've said here in this shul many times before that the Passover sacrifice and that incredible moment of placing blood on the lintels and on the doorposts, that was a story for each and every one of us about what it is to bring that which is most scary into our homes, into our consciousness the voice of the other, the voice of the downtrodden, the voice of the one that I couldn't be, the thing that I am most terrified of to bring it close, bring it to you and slaughter it, meaning release its creativity, release its energy, and place that on the doorposts and walk through that. Walk through that energy of the thing you feared most. The Torah is giving us, on the place of liminality, a good kick in the tochas and saying, Go. Go through your fear. Go through the place of excitement. You can do it. But more deeply tonight, I want to read that, that moment of placing blood on the doorpost a little bit more deeply. Not just in exercise, in walking through fear, but in changing blood to words. The mezuzah, that thing that we place on the doorpost as a reminder of the blood is not blood. We don't place blood on our doorposts. We place words, stories, language, a place with white space and black space. We convert the story of the Exodus into the story of an interpretation. In other words, you are not your story. You are the one who can interpret your story. You are not what has happened to you, but the one who can make of it what you choose. That on that dangerous place between inside and outside, between the past and the future, not only is there fear, but there is the potential of creating a story, a narrative, a sheila, a question that will bring forth gold from that doorpost. From that liminal space where you are now traversing. Not blood, but words. Not fixed fate, but open-ended destiny. Every human being is that doorpost. Every human being yearns to be able to stand in that space of liminality and to feel safe and secure to be able to decide what gets in and what goes out. To be able to be the alchemist at the door. That's the story of the mezuzah. And that's the story of the gold and the silver. And it's also the story of something that took place this week here in our community. For two years, that very door that place where we place a mezuzah 
that place in each and every one of our lives between the inhale and the exhale, between the right foot and the left, in every one of those rhythms in our actual space. That space was honored by a gentleman named Bob Ryan. And it was just this past Shabbat, Shabbat morning, when, when Bob, who was the mezuzah of Romimu, everyone who has been to Romimu more than a couple of times knows that when they, the people who, who are our guardians at the door are more than just our guardians. They are that sacred text saying hello and Shabbat Shalom, providing safety and security, but also a warm smile and a handshake and a hug. And for two years, Bob would come in after every sermon and say to me, love that one, Rabbi David. <laughs> and I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell I had friends back there. And there's a woman in Stanford, he said, that he's going to bring down to Romamu. Talked about her for a year. And last Shabbat morning, he brought her to Romamu. That's last Shabbat morning, she was sitting right over there. And just two days after last Shabbat, Bob had a heart attack and passed away in his sleep. And he was buried today. And as I was thinking about the mezuzah, as I was thinking about that mezuzah, about what it means to believe in the mezuzah, in the possibility of transforming blood into story, into narrative, so sacred of Jewish mediums is, is word, is language. I was thinking about Bob. Thinking about the blessing that he gave us over the course of the last two years. And even now in his passing, another blessing. Reminding us of how quickly things turn. Of how quickly the door opens and the door closes. How quickly something that we can say without any reservation is there, is gone. And so he blesses us with this last teaching about what it is to stand on the space between and there to find courage to open the door. So we want to bless him, we want to bless his family, we want to bless you as well and all of those who worked with him that he he bring a smile to your face when you think about him, that his good deeds, the various ways that he changed each other's lives, your life, be something that is quick and easy to remember and to recall and to connect with. And we remember him on this Parsha, this Parsha of asking good questions, of opening up new possibilities of having the courage to step through one door and to leave it open for the next person to come through as well.